0: We come now to kneel before the Lord, our maker, to bow down uh, before the Lord, our maker, by opening his word, the sacred scriptures, to hear uh, what he has for us to hear. So would you please open your Bibles uh, to Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, the same text that we looked at last week, although this week we will uh, break more into the middle of the text. We're going to begin in verse 29 down through verse 31. Acts chapter 4 beginning in verse 29. This is the early church, the early Christians in the face of recent persecution and hardship and further threats from the authorities of their time. This is the believers praying and they cry out to the Lord. Now, Lord, consider their threats, and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal, and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and spoke the word of God. Boldly. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Let's pray. Lord, our God, sovereign Lord, maker of heaven and earth, would you please by your spirit come and fill me now that I might speak your word with courage and boldness? Would you please come into all of our hearts that we might hear your word with faith and courage? as well. Spirit of God, come, we ask in the name and under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, currently we are in a series of messages through the book of Acts that is taking a look specifically at the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the early church. We are looking at the types of experiences, the types of the type of life and community life and church life and mission life that the early believers had when the Spirit falls upon and fills his people. And over these recent months we have learned that when the Spirit falls, certain things happen. Praise happens and prayer happens and evangelism happens and generosity. Happens. Spiritual affections happen. And as we began to see last week, and is clear from the text just read, when the Spirit of God falls and fills, boldness happens. Courage happens. A fearless, confident, open, unblushing, unflinching. Boldness in terms of words and boldness in terms of actions take place in the people of God. Now, how does that courage manifest throughout the book of Acts? This series is an exposition of Acts, but expositing it in a kind of thematic way. What is? How does boldness play out throughout the book of Acts? Spirit-filled courage. How does that get expressed? We saw last week that... When spirit-filled boldness happens, it will proclaim the salvation and the supremacy of Christ alone. It will preach the hard and the whole truth of God, and it will rebuke sin and command repentance. We received an email from one of our members, Bill Davis, uh, just a few weeks ago back, in which he humbly shared an experience that he had in fearlessly, that's, that's my word, that's not Bill's word, but I would say in fearlessly proclaiming the gospel in a hard place. Here's how Bill's email read, quote, I'd just like to share my evangelism experience and express the need for God's people to fulfill the Great Commission. On Saturday, December 12, 2020, I joined other brothers and sisters to do outreach in North Philadelphia at one of the most blighted, drug-infested areas in the city, Kensington and Allegheny Avenues. As I walked the sidewalks, giving out food and toiletries, tracts, and of course the gospel, all I could do at one point was scream, Lord, have mercy. God has a way of showing and leading us where and when He wants us to be there, and it is all worthwhile. My partner and I met a young man standing against a wall outside of a shelter and began to share the gospel with him. He was very receptive. As I shared, he interrupted me and asked, Have you ever been to George W. Hill, a prison in our area, in the last two years? He said he was an inmate there and remembered me ministering there. Once he told me his name, I remembered him, for he and others had caused a little disturbance one Sunday evening in the classroom. Again, we asked him where he placed his faith, and we continued to share Christ with him. He prayed to receive Christ as Savior and acknowledged what he had done. Hallelujah, Bill writes. But then he adds, and that's not all. I asked this young 25-year-old man where he lived. He answered, Delaware County. Where in Delaware County, I asked. Right at Chester Pike and 420 in Prospect Park. He gave me his number and his address remarkable remarkable for the courage to declare the gospel in an area that as bill said was is blighted and in desperate need remarkable to see how god in his own timing creates appointments for us with those who do not yet believe and remarkable as this happened with a young man who lives right around the corner from where we will soon be located courage when the spirit of god falls and fills courage will happen spirit-filled boldness humble respectful gentle and patient but at the same time like with bill for decades it will be unflinching it will be unblushing in proclaiming god's truth god's law God's gospel, God's Son, even in an age like ours when we will be slandered and we will be hated and maligned and fired and censored and canceled as a result. Be a faithful believer and a bold witness. And as Paul puts it, all who will live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. Spirit-filled boldness. We'll open our mouths to say things that will offend, but we'll say those things in humble and respectful and gentle and patient love. I want us to shift gears a little bit. All that's by way of review and bringing us up to speed. I want to move from what spirit-filled boldness will say to what spirit-filled boldness will do. And I'm going to give you three points this week as I did last week. So first for today, spirit-filled boldness or a spirit-filled church will be bold to join and to welcome. A spirit-filled church will be bold to join and to welcome. With your Bibles open, go over to Acts chapter 5 verse 12. Acts chapter 5 and verse 12 as I read down through verse 14 where we read now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles and they were all together in Solomon's portico none of the rest dared join them but the people held them in high esteem and more than ever believers were added to the Lord so here we have believers more than ever, believers coming to faith in Christ and being added to the Lord and added to the church. But there were others who didn't dare to join them. Notice the the language there. They didn't dare to join them. The very same Greek word behind that translation is used back in chapter 7 to refer to Moses when he had the experience with the burning bush and the voice of God up on the mountain and it says that Moses didn't dare to approach the burning bush and the voice of God he was extremely hesitant he was fearful he was concerned to not get too close to God's presence in this text there were people who didn't dare to be numbered with the early believers but in contrast the believers did dare to be numbered with one another. Though the standards for being numbered among Christians, those standards were high, which is what the previous verses are about. And though the cost was great to be numbered among the saints, they were bold to join. Joining was daring. Joining was a bold and a gutsy thing to do. Do you, do you realize this? It takes great courage. It takes great courage to be numbered among the people of God. To be, to be visibly and openly and publicly identified with God's true and faithful people, particularly as those people come under attack and slander and abuse. If you keep your finger here in Acts 5 and just flip over in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews and chapter 10, Uh, we read these words beginning in verse 32. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 32. If we were live and in person right now, I'd be looking to see if your Bibles are open and if you're turning there and if the sound of pages turning uh, was... uh, over so that I know you're there I'm hoping you're there by now Hebrews 10 verse 32 we read these words recall the former days when after you were enlightened you endured a hard struggle with sufferings sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. That's the same word as we find in Acts chapter 4. Your boldness. Don't throw away your boldness which has great reward. What's the writer of Hebrews saying to us here? It's saying that as Christians, there are times when we ourselves will be exposed to reproach and to affliction. And there are times that we have to identify ourselves, become partners with those who are so treated. It takes courage to take on the name of Christian. It takes courage to take on the fellowship of Christians. It takes courage to be identified with the church, to join and to welcome. In the book of Acts, as we flip back there, we see that this courage to welcome was severely tested at different points. If you go back to Acts chapter 9, look at verse 10, Acts chapter 9 and verse 10. departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him he said brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit and immediately something like scales fell from Paul's eyes and he regained sight talking about talk about courage Ananias had to be filled with the spirit of boldness to do this. Would you go to the house of someone that just a day before had been hunting for people like you to put you into prison and even worse? Well, you would. I would if we were spirit-filled and if God so spoke to us to do. It happens again now. Saul, who would become Paul, uh, has had some experience, just a few verses later, some experience in preaching the very gospel that he had persecuted a few days before. And now he is going down to Jerusalem. And we pick up the reading in verse 26 of chapter 9. And when he, the newly converted Saul, Paul, had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas, and we learn from over in Acts chapter 11, that Barnabas was full of the Holy Spirit. Barnabas, this spirit-filled man, took him... Saul, Paul, and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he, Saul, went in and out among them, the believers, at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. This is astonishing courage. But this is what happens when the Spirit of God falls upon us and fills us. We will be willing to join the people of God and we will be willing to welcome people into that fellowship. It takes courage to join and to welcome. You can mark this down. Dear ones, you can mark this down, brothers and sisters in Christ. The enemy of our souls and the enemy of the church does not want this to happen. He will do whatever he can do to make us hesitant, even resistant to being numbered together as the body of Christ. You realize this, right? You realize that the enemy is using race and justice and politics And all kinds of other things to divide us and try to destroy us. You realize that, right? You realize that he's using every tool in his tool belt, including the the gossiping false witness of immature and unwise Christians. He's using every tool he has, including unproven rumors about each other, to get us to reject and fight with and distrust one another. You realize He's he's trying to get us to refuse to join and welcome and unite for the sake of the Gospel. But when the Spirit of God falls on us and fills us, believers will lay aside their differences. They will lay aside their suspicions. They will lay aside their embarrassments with others, their fears of others. And they will draw on together whatever the cost. Spirit-filled boldness will give us Courage to to join and to welcome. And we must realize the enemy will do whatever he can to not let that happen. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 to not let the sun go down on our wrath because in doing that we give the devil an opportunity. Our anger, our distrust, our relational breakdown is the devil's opportunity. It's what he uses to divide and to destroy. May it be that God will so work among us as His people that we will resist the devil and flee from the devil at this very point. May we have the courage to be numbered with those that we may disagree with on things that we may feel are important, but the Bible does not say are of first import. Do we have the love to open our home and our hearts to one another? Do we have love to welcome and break down the walls of division and break down the walls of mistrust and division? May, may God give us grace so that we don't keep each other at arm's length. But we are will, willing, we are willing to join and to welcome. That's what a spirit-filled, emboldened people will do. Number two, a spirit-filled church will be bold to embrace unexpected change. A spirit-filled church will be bold to embrace unexpected change. Now, I, I want to anticipate some of you watching, some of you listening, um, may think that somehow or other we're going to try to manipulate Scripture to, to somehow support our, our decision regarding Prospect Park and all the changes that are ahead of us. That's not the intent at all. But I, I do want us to hear from Scripture something that I think can affect us and give us all courage as we move forward, whether together in Risen Hope or in various congregations. I want to show show you from the book of Acts that God often, through His Spirit, redirects His disciples in surprising ways, in unexpected ways, and it calls for courage every time it happens. Hear, Hear this. As we see this pattern in God's Word keep your Bibles open as I trace it out in the early church and very quickly we're going to look at a few texts here in the book of Acts so turn first to Acts chapter 1 Acts chapter 1 and verse 6 acts 1 and verse 6 this is after the resurrection Jesus has spent 40 days with his disciples proving his resurrection and instructing them and making them ready and in verse 6 we read then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is a situation where the Lord's people come to Him with an expectation. What is their human expectation? The disciples were looking for an immediate establishment of the kingdom of God through the presence and power of the risen Christ. They were were looking for it to happen right now. They were expecting it to happen right then. But what was the divine plan? It's as if Jesus says to them, well, my disciples, it isn't going to happen quite that way. It's not going to be instantaneous. It's not going to be universal right now as a raw act of my kingdom power. Instead, my kingdom is going to come, but it's going to happen gradually and over time through you as you are empowered by the Spirit. Expectation, immediate kingdom." God's plan, gradual unfolding and expansion of the kingdom through the witness of the disciples. Look over at chapter 8 in verse 1 where we read about the early church and a persecution that arose. Suddenly the church that had experienced a good deal of of peace and a a good deal of freedom to to expand and to get established suddenly the church is being persecuted and in verse 4 we read that as they were scattered from jerusalem they proclaimed they preached the word of the gospel and people outside of jerusalem were getting converted human expectation. Things were going swimmingly and smoothly in Jerusalem. People were getting saved. Worship and fellowship were happening. Life was good. They had settled in. But suddenly a persecution arose. God allowed this to happen. And God had a divine plan that through persecution, the gospel would advance even further. This is God's church growth strategy for that moment not peace but persecution not freedom but being chased and scattered abroad but through that the gospel was preached to a wider and a wider audience change happened unexpectedly over in chapter 10 and 11 then over in chapter 15 we read about another huge change unexpected change that happened in the church the the church was a very jewish church at that time it was moving along and humming along with nearly everybody buying into a very jewish form of christianity when god just busted through the complacency and the provincialism and the ethnic pride of all of that and commanded a wider mission you remember the story peter is up on the rooftop and enjoying his morning devotions and he's in prayer and in the middle of that it's as if god sent him an email god sent him a message said go i want you to go now to cornelius's house i want you to go to that unclean gentiles home and i want you to tell them about jesus human expectation. This is a message for the Jews. Human expectation. We're going to continue to give it to people who are like us. Divine plan. Radical change. God shook them up and opened the door to everyone. And all of you who, like me, are Gentiles here today. Are we not ever so glad that God changed the direction of the church? in that moment we could go on in Acts chapter 13 and verse 1 chapter 13 verse 1 now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers Barnabas Simeon called Niger Lucius of Cyrene Menean who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul while while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. Here's another situation where human expectation kind of met up with and was confronted by divine plan here was this church in Antioch strong healthy under the leadership of multiple pastors who were there and it seemed like for the long haul and then the spirit of God comes along and says oh by the way I want you to release two of your best men Paul and Barnabas two of the best men of all of scripture I want you to release them for the sake of the gospel change change Happened unexpectedly when divine plan met up with human expectation. We could go on in chapter 15 where Paul and Barnabas, the ultimate power couple in terms of mission and evangelism, were there. It's going well and people are getting saved. And yet in chapter 15, God allows them to have a disagreement. And it's a very sharp disagreement. Clearly one in which one or both of them sinned against each other with with a hot anger that was inappropriate and as a result of that they split they went their separate ways you can you can bet that there was a buzz throughout all of the churches of the New Testament did you hear about this Paul and Barnabas have split up they're not working together anymore. They had a fight. I wonder whose fault it was. You know, Paul sometimes has a bit of a stubborn authoritarian streak to him. It must have been him. Or Barnabas can be too soft and a bit too indulgent of people's issues. Maybe it was his fault. Whatever the case, people expected that these two would stay together and work forward for the cause of the gospel. But human expectation met up with divine plan. And Divine plan used their disagreement and their division to actually lead to the expansion of the gospel. For Paul went and got Silas and formed a team and went in one direction. And Barnabas took John Mark and formed another team and went in another direction. And the gospel advanced at a quicker rate because divine plan met with and overcame human expectation. It goes on and on in chapter 16. Won't take the time. There's a fascinating text in verses 6 through 10. You may want to check that on your own. Fascinating text where Paul and his companions try to go in two or three different directions for mission purposes. And every time the spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow them to do that and finally directed them in another direction. They as humans thought this is the right direction for us to go. God's plan was different. No, this is the direction for you to go. And then in chapter 23, we read, The Lord say to Paul, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, now you must testify in Rome. I've got a new plan for you, Paul. You see, time and again, in the New Testament church, human expectation and plans met up with divine plan and was overturned by divine plan to accomplish divine purposes. So what's the point of all of this? Well, Proverbs 16 comes to mind. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. The point is that a spirit-filled church in Acts realized that God had his own plans and that often involved radical change, new direction surprises along the way so what does that say to us well let me be clear I'm not trying to make the scriptures say something that they're not saying Um, but I am saying this that often in scripture and in the course of history of the Christian church God has seen fit to surprise his people With new mission, new direction, new challenge, new crisis, all for the sake of the gospel. And we need to face that change with courage. In our case, whether whether we go to Prospect Park or not, we need to believe that God is up to something great. And God is up to something good. We need a courageous, Spirit-filled boldness to hold on to our own plans and ideas and programs loosely. And we need to not see change of plan or direction as a bad thing or as a fearful thing. No, the Spirit of God is working and God is moving in every one of us Nobody would have expected some of the changes about to occur if asked a year ago. All of us are in transition, so we can know that God is at work as we, and that we will spiritually multiply even as we might physically divide. Count on it. Count on it. Don't fear this. Whether in Risen Hope or on mission in another church family, Don't let it unsettle you. Don't let it anger you or offend you or trouble you. Realize this is how God has always worked. And he is up to something great and good. Even as Aslan of Narnia fame was on the move, God is on the move as he moves us forward and perhaps moves us forward in different directions and to different places. God is at work. A Spirit-filled church will boldly expect and embrace change knowing that God is God. And finally, and quickly, a Spirit-filled church will boldly and joyfully accept whatever consequences come as a result of everything that we have said in these two messages. Spirit-filled boldness Accepts the consequences that come with faithfulness. And it accepts those consequences with joy. Can I, can I quickly direct you to two texts? First, to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5 and verse 40. They, the Jewish religious and civil authorities, called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus they suffered disgrace with joy here's Holy Spirit boldness they were not only willing to to suffer for the sake of Jesus, they rejoiced at the privilege of doing it. They, they did not get angry at their persecutors. They didn't fight back over their loss of freedom. They didn't grow bitter or resentful or mean-spirited. They rejoiced at the privilege. If we flip over to chapter 7, we see a beautiful expression of this in the first martyr of the church, the man Stephen. Look at verse 54 of chapter 7. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, that is, when they heard Stephen's bold declaration of truth, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said. I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at Him, dragged Him out of the city and began to stone Him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. And while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Here is peaceful, contented, joyful, Holy Spirit Just as Stephen had been bold to proclaim the truth, he was bold to receive the consequences for that proclamation with joy and peace. Dear ones, I do believe the scriptures teach us that seasons of persecution and suffering are coming for all who know and love the lord jesus christ i i know that many among us and many all over the world have suffered much already at the hands of others maybe through an abusive spouse or parent or a bigoted or racist attacker or in some other way at the hands of evil people i realize that but what the scriptures also call us to understand is that the day is coming when all of us who know Jesus, all of us who love Jesus are going to be persecuted and and we are going to be united in the experience of suffering for the sake of his name. Leaders will turn on us. Friends will turn on us. Family members will turn on us. Church members will turn on us. Sons and daughters and parents will turn on us. The day is coming when rights and privileges and freedoms and respect and reputation will all be taken away. The day is coming when slander is going to come upon us. There will be mockery. There will be lawsuits. There will be imprisonment. There will be the ruining of reputations through malicious lies and false accusations. There will be all manner of consequences for being faithful to Jesus. The question for all of us is will we begin now to prepare our hearts for that day whenever it might come, whether next week, next year, next decade, or next century. Will we prepare our hearts and not only be willing to endure abuse and suffering, but to be glad for the privilege of suffering for his name jesus said in words that are familiar to many of us in matthew chapter five blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are you when people insult you not if but when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus says, it's coming. Be ready. And when it happens, rejoice. Rejoice because you will be joining the great throng, the great crowd of all of those who have gone on before you faithful men women young people and children who have lived for Christ and died for Christ and received it all with joy let us not therefore be people of fear we have not received the spirit of timidity but a spirit of Let us be those who stand up and with our mouths speak God's word and with our lives of love and gentleness and godliness and courage, live out God's word and come what may, let us be faithful. And all the while, let us realize that there is one who has gone before us, who suffered reproach and hatred and slander and scorn and ridicule And nails through his flesh. The bleeding out and the dying. Of his body on the cross. Let us realize there is one who has gone before us. Who is worthy of it all. For he has redeemed us with his blood. So that we might be ransomed. We might be free. We might be his forever. If you know and love the Lord Jesus. Let us be those who follow him on the path of faithfulness and love, whatever the cost. This is what a spirit-filled church will be like. It will speak boldly and live boldly and then receive with joy the consequences to the glory of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may it be that these truths will embolden us, not scare us, not frighten us, but actually embolden us. May these truths inspire us. May these truths stir up within us fresh desire, fresh commitment to speak and to live faithfully and courageously. And may these truths inspire us day after day, each day to pray Oh, Holy Spirit, come and fill me, fill us, that I might be faithful and courageous in my generation. Oh, Lord in heaven, grant courage, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. May it be that God will give you grace and courage to face the rest of this day. And then tomorrow when it gets here and each day as it comes with fresh faith, fresh hope, fresh confidence in the Lord Jesus. God be with you. May his grace rest upon you and his peace fill your hearts. In Jesus name. Amen.